Amazon adds two new Echoes, but does away with encryption on the Fire OS. Padre is here to extol the virtues of the Raspberry Pi. Jason Howell is live from the Launch Festival in San Francisco, where he talked to a robot barista. If you have an Amazon Echo, you might want to disable it for the next hour, unless you wanted to order some stuff when we talk about it. All that and more on Tech News Today. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, everybody. It's time for our annual audience survey. We'd really like to hear from you. It helps us understand our audience better, know what you like and don't like, how you listen to the show. It also helps us tell advertisers what kind of people listen. But I promise you, your feedback is always kept personally anonymous. All you have to do is visit twit.tv slash survey and let us know what you think. It'll just take a few minutes and it'll help us make Twit even better. We really appreciate your support and any help you can give us. Twit.tv slash survey. This is Tech News Today, episode 1462, recorded Thursday, March 3rd, 2016. This episode of Tech News Today is brought to you by Score Big. Pay less for quality seats to your favorite sporting and music events. Go to scorebig.com, click on the microphone, and enter promo code TNT to save $20 off your first ticket purchase. And by PillPack, a full-service pharmacy that combines convenient packaging, modern technology, and personalized service to make your life easier. Visit PillPack.com slash twit to save $20 on vitamins and OTCs when you transfer your prescriptions. And by NatureBox. NatureBox is dedicated to making smart, delicious snacking easy. They have over 100 ridiculously delicious snacks that get delivered directly to your doorstep. Visit naturebox.com slash twit to get 50% on your first box now. Hello and welcome to Tech News Today. This is the show where we talk about all the tech news with people who think deeply about technology. I am Megan Maroney. And I'm Father Robert Balliser. And uh, today, our guest is Natalie Morris of Morris, NatalieMorris.net. She does a lot of financial services. She's been on this network long before I came back. So, Natalie, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Good to be back on Twit. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been working on now. Okay. Um, so I do technology coverage for NBC. I'm a freelancer for CNBC and MSNBC as well. And then on nataliemorris.com is my personal site where I do a lot of financial writing. I write about um, personal finance and uh, goal setting and wealth building inside your family. Great. Well, we are excited yeah. that you're going to be here to talk technology. And Jason Howell, who's usually here, is at the Launch Festival. We'll hear, hear from him a little bit later. And I'm sure everyone knows you, Father Robert. But if yeah. not... I, I've been hanging around the network for a while. Uh, I just started showing up. And so they figured as long as I'm here, they might as well put me to work. Um, and I, I do uh, a couple of shows on the Twit TV network. Know How, which is our DIY maker show. We do that twice a week. And then This Week in Enterprise Tech, which was the first show I ever did coming on the Twit. Well, excellent. And uh, as most people know, the Raspberry Pi 3 came out earlier this week. Uh, you had it in your possession when it came out, so we couldn't talk about it. But now uh, you're going to show us around the Raspberry Pi 3 a little bit. Yes, indeed. It, it is an exciting little device. We, we, we had it when we were at Mobile World Congress. We couldn't talk about it. It was, it was under NDA, but uh, it is an amazing little device. 
Uh, people who have been aficionados of Raspberry Pi, they know that it's a it's the thirty five dollar computer. This was the one that's really changed the industry, and it, it made building a computer not just easy but also inexpensive. And this is actually a big step forward. Imagine this being over ten times faster than the original Pi, but the same price, with the same setup as the Raspberry Pi two. But now it also includes wireless functionality on the board. Now this is something that I think every maker is going to want to build on. Uh, and yeah, we've got one. We've got one for uh, use on know-how. Cool. Well, we're going to talk about it a little more yeah. later. Uh, but first, let's get to today's news. There are two new Amazon devices you can buy today. But Amazon is not making it easy for you to buy them. Let's start with the Echo Dot. It's a miniature Amazon Echo that you can attach to a Bluetooth speaker. It's half the price of the Echo at $90. And the Amazon Tap is a $130 Echo that's portable. Uh, I ordered the Dot right away. Um, you, I had to order it through my Amazon Echo. You have to ask your Alexa to order it for you. Hopefully I, I didn't say it in a way that you guys all just ordered one if you have an Alexa and are listening <laughs> to this. Um, uh, but yeah, I, Natalie, I know you also have an Echo. Uh, do you love your Echo? I like my Echo very much. Yes. I don't know if love is right. <laughs> we like each other. We're good roommates. <laughs> We're in deep life. We do yeah, we tolerate each other. <laughs> I think sometimes it's tolerating at my house too because uh, she doesn't always answer the questions the way that I would want her to. Um, and if you if you do want to order the dot, they're not they're available now, but they won't be ordered. And they you can order it now, but you'll get it in a month. Did you yeah. get Did you get the audio warning that the dot was available? No, did did you? Did you? It, it was weird. It was it was like two o'clock in the morning. And I was just, I was in my studio. I was just tapping away. And suddenly Alexa starts talking to me. I'm like, I didn't, wait, I didn't trigger it. What's going on? And it was, did you know there are now new devices with Alexa available? And wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Really? She said that in the middle of the night? She, well, well, I mean, I was working and I guess it had learned my patterns enough to know that at two o'clock oh, I'm up. Wow. And I'm just looking, wait, did I just get advertising? That's weird. Really? You didn't, yeah. you don't think you triggered her at all? Uh, the only thing I can think of is I did get the email as well. Uh -huh. And I said, oh, click more. And okay. And uh -huh. so maybe it used that as saying, oh, he wants to know more. And so it oh. sent it to my Alexa. That was, uh, part of me was saying, this is creepy. The other half of me was saying, that's kind of cool integration. <laughs> because she doesn't otherwise talk involuntarily. Never. No. Never. Which is why when she started talking, I'm like, what, wait, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. And I find with with mm. with Siri, it's a lot easier to say something that sounds like um, the the word for when you say, you know, when you trigger, right. I'll just say it. Hey, Siri. It's that there's a lot of words that sound like that. But with are a, there like what words? I, can't, you, I like, don't know seriously? what I said. Yeah, something. Yes. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, there's. Dennis Leary. There's all kinds. Of, I don't know. I guess I'm saying a lot. Of We're triggering devices all around the internet right now. I hope we all know that. It's, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. So I mean, I ordered a, one because I wanted one because it's it, it's smaller. Because I don't. I, I have my Echo in the kitchen. Uh, I, this small device. If you're watching the video, you can see it now. It. I think it's going to be perfect by the bedside table because it also connects to a Bluetooth speaker. The speaker in there is not. I mean. Speaker aficionados will say that the uh, Echo speaker, the normal one, is not great, but it's been fine for me. I listen to music on it all the time. But the small one is not a good speaker, but it'll hook to the Bluetooth speaker, to the speakers that I have already uh, in my bedroom, and then it'll be an alarm. It'll just be, you know, if I want to listen to the news right before I go to bed, and it's, I'm excited. Uh, I'm actually yeah, for that reason, I got you, yeah. I guess. 
And I hadn't thought of it that way. It's like to keep it next to your head, though. Because then if she starts talking involuntarily in the middle of the night and you are not awake, that's not okay. Yeah, I have never heard of her speaking without being called. I, uh, Alexa would be whispering into your ear at night, putting subliminal suggestions. Do you want right. to order that new car? You know, yeah. It'll be <laughs> a brand new source pond. of revenue for Amazon. <laughs> uh, yeah, and she'll be able to control your Nest soon and your Honeywell thermostat, so... You know, if thinks you're working too late, just turn the you know turn the air conditioning or the heat on and make you go to bed. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm down for it. Uh, yeah, so you can order one. There's a if you want to order one and you don't have a and you don't already have one, you can use your Amazon uh, app on your phone and search for Echo Dot, and then you can swipe right to add it to your cart and buy one. And everyone was really amazed too that it was only ninety dollars. But my when I bought the Echo, it was only ninety dollars. It started small, so then it went up. Now it's only it's about two hundred dollars. So it's going to inevitably get cheaper because I mean it's not a it's just a Wi Fi connected device. Like it's not you know it's not a big piece of technology. What it can do is pretty great. But I, I can't see, you know, I can, this is like a Kindle. It's just, they're just going to get better and better at making these. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're going to do more. They're like a Trojan horse. I mean, that sounds bad, but, <laughs> but if you think of it in, in a good way, it's, it's already there in your house and they're just going to push technology into it. Well, well, that's the thing. The, the Echo and Alexa was the stealth product of 2015 mm-hmm. because people started, they, they bought it like you. I bought mine on sale. Mm-hmm. My, it was, a, it was like a black Friday deal or whatever they had black Thursday, whatever they call that. And uh, I, I got it for $90 and it was interesting at first. I thought, okay, it's a speaker. I could ask it to tell me a joke, but then I started finding all the different automation tie-ins. I'm, and I said, this is an amazing piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. If they could work that same sort of wonder that lightning in a bottle into the smaller devices then yeah they're going to become ubiquitous everyone will have one everywhere yeah and that we're showing the video of uh the amazon tap or the alexa tap i'm not sure what it's something tap uh and it's wire it's wireless but you have to have uh you have to have a connection i mean you have to have wi-fi connection to use it um anthony our technical director he ordered one of the small ones he's going to figure out how it's going to control his car that's his project and it doesn't it doesn't work until you actually have to touch it it's not constantly listening for commands right right that the new one yeah it, uh, you have to press a button Which, for battery life it can't mm-hmm. just be listening to you right. yeah. and that might actually be a privacy benefit yeah it might mm-hmm. yeah. speaking of privacy let's move from uh, little pucks and echoes to Something in security. Now, while the tech world is rushing to polish their encryption bona fides and gird their e-loins for legal battle, one major player has taken a different path to tackling the encryption question. Just remove it. Amazon announced today that they are deprecating support for device encryption in the latest revision of Fire OS. Users who start the upgrade to Fire OS version 5 are informed that they can either keep their encrypted device or stay on Fire OS 4 or decrypt their device and upgrade to Fire OS 5. While privacy advocates are decrying the move and calling it part of the chilling effect of recent government versus tech cases, Amazon has a simpler explanation. People just weren't using it. Uh, This is an interesting story because a a lot of companies are are in this sort of panic mode of, are we going to get hit next? Is the DOJ going to come after us? Do we have protection against being demanded to open up our encryption? And it does, uh, at least on the surface, seem Amazon's just said, it's not worth it. We're just going to take it out. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we're talking about all these devices that we pepper our houses with that are listening to us all the time. Apparently, yours is also speaking and offering advertising in the middle of the night. It knows to you. me. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, um, 
but this is Fire OS. That like the Alexa doesn't run Fire OS, so that's different. All right, and and the other thing about this is. Uh, when they were asked by Ars Technica about this, there were, there were some very interesting comments made by the Amazon representative. First, that uh, they said, look, this, this has nothing to do with the current government cases. This is entirely because customers weren't using it. But the way that they worded it, they said that they found that customers weren't using the enterprise feature. So Amazon considers basic encryption an enterprise feature. It's not a consumer feature. Now, that I found disconcerting because I want them to consider encryption as a basic feature on every bit of information they may ever have on me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know how to take that. Well, I mean, people aren't really using the Fire Phone. Like, <laughs> that is true. That, that part of it is accurate. But I mean, yeah, people are using tablets. I mean, you have yeah. Fire tablets. They, uh, a lot of kids have Fire tablets. Uh, Natalie, let me ask you this, though. Uh, do you have any Fire devices? And if you do... Did you know that they could be encrypted at the device level? I guess I sort of assumed that they wouldn't be. I, 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 yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised to put so much like choice in, in the hands of the consumer because the consumer doesn't know. Right. What, you know, they don't know any better. It's better to just make the high, you know, like we, when we have these conversations about Facebook, we always usually agree that put the highest level of data protection available by default. Um, I do have some fire devices. Actually, I have had, I don't think I have any longer. Um, I'm kind of scratching my head at this move, to be honest. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because the settings to enable device encryption are buried. You Mm -hmm. really have to go digging for it. And that leads me to believe that People probably the settings would have turned on it the off. fire devices are yeah. buried, period. Yeah. They're not all easy the settings. To find. All the settings. Yeah, why? Why? But they the, don't want you to change it. You know, yeah. N- Natalie, you brought up an important point, which is shouldn't this have just been on by default? Shouldn't they just assume that people are going to want to encrypt their device? And most people don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just give them the most protection possible because what happens when something bad happens and then you have to explain yourself you know and then then it's going to be all over the news and people learn this in a bad way uh, in in a certain sense i like stories like this because it gets us out of the the geek microcosm that we tend to live in we we are a tech network we deal with a tech audience and they're very savvy and so they understand these issues but the typical person the average person who buys one of these because they've been told it's really good for their kid and they can put parent protections they need to know that no this is actually important you know mm-hmm. you your, your kid, you probably should encrypt all the data that's on there. I mean, as you mentioned, when you start to think about how much data we actually have on these devices, it gets a little scary. Yeah. I am guessing that they made this decision prior to the fact that like every day anyone turned on ABC or NBC or any network, you'd be hearing the word encryption and how it affects normal people in their daily lives. You hear that so much uh, now in the news. And I'm guessing that Amazon made this decision before that. Probably. I mean, this is a kind of decision that takes a long time to do. This Mm -hmm. wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. This was Amazon looking at their dev team saying, well, where can we cut corners? No one's using this feature, so let's stop developing it. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of... Do you think that this is is indicative of them just not investing in Fire then, the the OS? Uh, uh, That's hard to say. The beginning of the end. I, I mean, it has found... An audience. There are people who like Fire OS devices, um, but I'm wondering if, since it is a branch of Android, 
is Amazon saying it's just not worth it for us to do our own development right. anymore? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, I mean, point. Zoom had, a, you know, like an audience too, but <laughs> Microsoft eventually was like, nah, we're not doing this. Yeah, it does seem like the Echo and those related products are what they're pushing now um, beyond just everything that they right. sell and their stores and their drones and, you know, all their other ways they're going to get all the more things that we buy to us. So let's move back to the FBI debate with Apple, which we um, are continuing to talk about. Today was the day that uh, that people could submit briefs to the court. And Reuters sources say that Alphabet Inc.'s Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and several other Internet and technology companies filed joint legal briefs today in support of, in support of Apple and their encryption battle with the government. Apple also posted a powerful letter from the husband of one of the victims of the attack, an environmental health specialist for the county. Uh, she was a victim. She was shot three times, and she survived, but she might have died if she hadn't been in the restroom at the time of the attack. And her husband wrote this letter saying you know, that he supports Apple, too, that he really uh, doesn't think that any information is on this phone. I mean, anyone who listens to the show has heard me talk on and on about my feelings about this case. So what do you guys think? I I like what happened on Tuesday and all the discussions that it's pushed forward. So when you had the, uh, the vice president get in front of Congress and essentially say, look, of course, Apple does want to fight terrorism. Of course, Apple wants to help law enforcement. But then said, but what you're asking for is not for us to open a phone. You're asking us to fundamentally break the the privacy that we promised our customers. And then the last part of his presentation, and I think this is the one that's really inspiring the conversation that's been leaking out the last couple of days, is to say, look, we're coming to you in Congress because right now the FBI is trying to use a 200-year-old law in the digital age. You need to get on the ball. You need to figure out what are our rights and our responsibilities in the digital age. And you need to codify it into a law so that tech companies like Apple and Microsoft and Google can actually do the right thing rather than taking a stab in the dark thinking, is this where we draw the line or is this where we draw the line? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's again, I, I like the conversation because it's going beyond just tech circles. Regular people are starting to pick up on the story and say, oh, you know, what is this? Mm-hmm. This oh, is, oh, this is my privacy? That's good? Okay, I'll listen. <laughs> what about you, Natalie? I mean, you, you report for a, a mainstream network. What's the conversation there like? I think the general consensus is that that Apple is really sticking to their guns here and and to see the rest of Silicon Valley rally around them. um, You know, I think the knee jerk reaction was like, oh, these are terrorists. Let's just, you know, break all of their privacy. But when we all realize the implication that it has on the rest of us, um, it it seems to be that the the common conception of it is that, you know, this is a privacy worth, worth protecting because compromising this you know, is such a slippery slope that no one wants to really go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be noticed, there were 17 internet companies that uh, submitted a brief together. They included Airbnb, Twitter, and others, other people, ACLU, EFF. Samsung did not file a brief. They sort of made this kind of vague, um, you know, we support people's privacy, but they did not, um, they did not come out and file a brief like everyone else did. Uh, it's interesting because the, the big companies were slow to, I mean, I think they just wanted to take the temperature of the general public before they stood up. But now it does seem like they're all kind of uh, banding together 
in some way. They were, but it, it's it's funny because we're in such a negative election cycle mm-hmm. that the tech companies were slow to articulate, maybe because they didn't know the implications that would come upon them later on. But we see a lot of politicians that were quick to posture about it. And, you know, there was that city, I think somewhere in the Southwest, that was like, we're not going to upgrade our iPhones anymore. Um, and, you know, the, there's Donald Trump saying no one should buy Apple phones from, from, and I think. Even though he's tweeting from an iPhone, which is fantastic. It's more than just, that really gets under my skin. It's, it's not, it's not for politicians to ring in on what they don't understand. And uh, there's an expletive in there somewhere that, that really makes me mad. Um, It's, it's more about just so much legislation around technology comes from people who don't know what the heck they're talking about. Um, and that bothers me more than anything else. Something that's been said several times on this network is they don't understand you can't legislate math. Mm-hmm. That's what encryption is. So unless you, you understand that you're talking about math, you're not going to get that you can't just pass a law saying we're not doing math anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think you're right, Natalie. I think there are people who they're just taking the talking points. And right now it's a fantastically powerful talking point to say, I am tough on security and I want to beat the terrorist and I will do anything it takes. And if you take a step back, those are actually horrific words. Those are horrific statements. Mm -hmm. But because of the climate we're living in right now, it's a, it's a great whipping dog. Yeah. Yeah. I think the judge in Brooklyn was really, I mean, just took the right tactic, in my opinion, just saying, not really being involved in the technology at all, just saying, you know, you can't use the All Writs Act, this, you know, from 1889 or 1879, you can't use this to demand that Apple make this for you. And, you know, they said nothing about whether we should have phones that are encrypted, you know, beyond where the FBI could ever get into. They didn't even get into something that they didn't, you know, I'm sure they understand it, but that wasn't where they went. They were like, you just can't use the All Writs Act. And... Uh, yeah, I hope that the same happens. Next. I think the FBI it does understand what they're asking for. I mm-hmm. think the politicians that are posturing on top of this issue don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just yeah. want to make that clear. It's <laughs> yeah. them, I'm crap talking, not the FBI. Yes. <laughs> so <we're> like, <laughs> uh oh. Sorry about that. Oh, we'll show you what we understand. All right, let's let's move to a slightly happier topic. Uh, instead of talking about the FBI and encryption, let's make fun of people. Now, remember when it was cool to mock people who were playing Rock Band, but the people who were playing didn't care because the game was so much fun? Well, throw in a set of VR goggles and some flappy paddles in place of plastic instruments, and you've got the VR revolution. In a nutshell, Eva Horth, a design researcher for VR company Rat Lab, posted a video of her watching a co-worker test Leap Motion's latest VR software, and it immediately went viral with a large chunk of YouTube and Reddit thinking that she hated VR. But she insists that she's a proponent of VR who just happens to recognize one simple truth. Mainly, from the outside, people wearing VR goggles look ridiculous. Of course, a meme isn't really tech news, but what is worthy of note is the sentiment that surrounded the meme with mob quickness. Based on the question, should we mock VR, embrace VR, or both? Oh, this, this is actually a more serious question than it might sound at first, because mm-hmm. VR was everywhere at Mobile World Congress. It, it was the wearable of 2016. Last year, everyone had to have a watch. This year, watches were there, but in the background, it was all VR. Samsung, Nokia, Intel, they all brought out products to showcase their smarts in this new space. Uh, And even though 
everyone, everyone I ever took a picture of wearing a VR goggle looked dorky and ridiculous. When I put them on myself, they were fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't know. what it's, it's one of these things where I will make fun of everyone wearing a VR goggle, but I will want to put it on. <laughs> It's got to become, you know, the line on Sex in the City, it's your secret single behavior. Thing this that you only do with no one else in the room, like wearing a face mask in my case. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I was telling Megan before the show, I was at the um, HTC booth, the, the Vive, and they had a gaming pavilion. But the gaming pavilion was really just a series of low cubicles with everyone facing away from each other, mm-hmm. all wearing the helmet. So even though in the virtual world, which you could see, they were face-to-face, hand-to-hand, doing combat, they're, they're all facing away, just doing this. And, you know, yeah, you look, I don't see how anyone could look at that and not say that is ridiculous. But when I tried the demonstration, it was so much fun, I didn't want to take it off. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two things going on here. First of all, uh, with Google Glass, everybody made fun of the people that that used Google Glass. Uh, It was, you know, they called them glass holes. It wasn't just the device. It was like the person that suddenly became mocked, uh, which I think is really fascinating. And partly, I think it's because anybody, people don't like when your eyes are covered. That's an issue for people. I think when uh, it's hard to communicate when people can't see each other's eyes. And um, so I think that's what's going on here. I also think uh, we talked before about AR, like yes. augmented reality. And and that's different. It's it's not only does it not have to cover your eyes like that. If you see, you know, the HoloLens, it's it's much more stylish and it doesn't cover your, your whole eyes like that. Uh, and also it's not as isolating. I, I don't know how you feel about this, Natalie, but um, I am much more excited by AR than I am by VR. I, I like VR. I, I love the demonstrations that I've seen so far. I, I want to play with the set when it gets into the studio. But the idea of overlaying a digital layer on the actual world, that is so much more attractive to me than just putting on a helmet so I can see 360 views. Than blocking out your world. Precisely, precisely. There's no reason to put, like when you're in the presence of other people, why do this, right? I guess if no one's around and you have no one to interact with and you you want to experience something, that's fine. Um, but you know, it just sort of exacerbates the persona of gamers is that they're just all in their head and all in their own world. And, you know, but yeah, I think AR is, is so much more, you're right. It's like a, a layer on top of the reality we have now. You still can interact with other people. Um, and, and, and to use this for, like what we're seeing right now in this video or, or, you know, learning or bringing people into worlds that they wouldn't have otherwise have seen or decades and eras and all of that. That's super exciting. Um, but VR is a toy to use when you are alone. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't want to put down VR because even though it is a toy, it is a fabulous toy. Mm -hmm. But when I look at AR, I think that's a tool. That's not a toy. Yeah. Well, speaking of the things that you do in the privacy of your own home, like, for example, sleeping, security expert Graham Cluley said today that there is a new tool that lets you track the sleeping habits of your Facebook friends. Soren Louve Jansen is a developer at TradeShift, posted the tool on GitHub. Uh, now, I guess I kind of know how this works because if you're on Facebook, you can see like there's a list on the side of everybody that's still like currently on Facebook, which is always a little bit creepy to me. But, but how, did, how does this really work? Right. So uh, what he figured out was a lot of these tools, Facebook Messenger and, and others that are available, uh, you can use it to ping users. So he wrote a script, a piece of software that basically uses the different tools to 
ping his friends. And by finding out when they were and were not at their computer or when they have just posted, he was able to come up with this profile. And, and this this is actually a great use of what we would call you know, big data or Internet of Things analytics. The whole idea is take disparate data sets and then make correlations. In this case, he was able to say, oh, look, it's very clear when they're sleeping. I can look at this data and see those long periods of inactivity and I know that they're away from their computer. And because my friend is addicted to his or her computer, they must have been asleep. So this is this is the kind of data that we leave out there even when we're not actually leaving data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, is it, do we take from this that the last thing that people do before they go to sleep is look at Facebook and then wake up? First thing, look at Facebook. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, and, you know, this, this, is a, this, this is why this is why my phone is not next to my bed. Mm-hmm. My phone is actually in my, my studio because I know that if it's, if it's near my bed, if I happen to wake up in the middle of the night, I will reach over just to look at the time. I will turn on the phone. And the next thing you know, I've been up for four hours checking Twitter. <laughs> I, I, That's like pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take your word for that. <laughs> but, but I mean, am I, am I alone in that? I mean, it's so addictive. It's like, oh, I'm in my bed. Let's find out what's happening in the world. Yeah. Right? It, Am I, I the only one who's done that? No. Thinking like, you know, I'll go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and this is a stupid anecdote, but my my <laughs> son, um, he he drew this. He's a really amazing artist, so I posted a, a picture that he had drawn on, in his drawing class. And in the middle of the night, I got up to go to the bathroom, and I was thinking, like, wonder who else commented on how talented my son is. <laughs> so dumb. Why am I thinking this in the middle of the night? I should just go to sleep. But I didn't check it. No, I, I, tr- I don't keep my phone near my head at night either. I'm afraid of the radiation in my brain. I, I actually, I broke my rule last night because I, I woke up at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning or whatever it was, and I couldn't sleep. So five minutes after I woke up, I went to the studio and I grabbed my phone and I said, oh, I'm awake. And then I realized, oh, well, now I am awake because I just checked Twitter. Great. If you said that out loud, yeah. that's why Alexa's talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I did talk to Alexa. Maybe I was so right, tired. Yes. I said, Alexa, tell me about the latest deals. And wow. that's what happened. Now everyone listening to this got the latest oh, deals. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but that is why I want to about how if we, if we look at an electronic, the blue light has now stimulated a part of our brain that right. wants us to wake up and makes it even harder. So um, I've really, really tried to keep all the light out of my room for that reason alone. Mm-hmm. There are actually no electronics in my room. My, my, the room Good I use for sleeping. Um, I even have blackout curtains because I sleep at weird hours and sometimes it works. <laughs> I think I'm still picking up the Wi-Fi from the other room. I think that's actually coming into my brain. That's happening. Well, that's why I ordered one of the small Echoes because then I have an alarm clock and I don't have to keep my phone by the bed. I mean, it's another piece of electronics that um, I might, you know, ask in the middle of the night to check Facebook for me. <laughs> I, I had actually had to raid the uh, we call the the dead Jesuit closet. It's where all when Jesuits die, all their possessions go there. I had to, oh. wanted to find an old clock with the red LEDs. Those are so hard to find now. Yeah, and, and that's what I use instead of a phone because mm-hmm. yeah, people in the chat room are mentioning that when you see that blue light, it messes up your rhythms. Mm-hmm. Your brain thinks it's right. time to get up. Yeah, and I don't think the science is in on what right. electronics do to our bodies, and especially as we sleep. Like I won't 
keep these things dear my kids, um, especially when they're babies and their skulls had like they're haven't fused completely mm. yet. And I just I I just don't think we know enough. I think it's not. I just don't think it's safe to we we have these on our bodies all day long. Like I think we should give our bodies a break from because every time your your phone read something or even like my acupuncturist was like, I wouldn't wear that Apple watch to sleep. And I was like, it's out, you know, um, I just, I know sometimes I get hate mail for saying this on Twitter, but, um, I just don't think we should be Wi-Fi apologists. We don't know enough yet to keep it near. And that's what, that's what makes me a little nervous about that. Alexa, the small ones, I wouldn't keep that near my head while I sleep. All right, let's talk about net neutrality. Let's do that. You know what? (laughs) Net neutrality is back in the news, and guess what? Surprise! The story involves Comcast. The internet service and content giant has been called out by Public Knowledge, a D.C.-based nonprofit that advocates for choice in the digital marketplace, for attempting to evade FCC net neutrality rules by zero-rating Comcast-owned content. While many of Comcast's customers are capped at 300 gigabytes of transfers, a month stream, a Comcast product that offers all of the major broadcast networks and HBO on laptops, tablets, and phones inside the customers' homes, does not count against this cap. This would be a clear violation of the FCC rules, except for one thing. Comcast claims that though the streaming uses TCP IP, it doesn't travel over the Internet, with all the transfers happening inside Comcast's cable network. Now, this is actually really, really important because this is the test of the net neutrality rules that were put into play. People for a long time have have decried exactly this move from Comcast because it is such a large vertical provider. They own not just the transport network, but they own the content, and therefore they can prioritize and they can favor their content over the content from other networks like YouTube, Netflix, Amazon, etc. So uh, this, this is going to be, I think, the first real test of the FCC's backbone. They... They have said that they're going to look at zero rating on a case-by-case basis. They didn't want to lay down hard and fast rules. So this is their first chance to, to really sink their teeth into what looks to be a violation of the spirit of net neutrality. So stream TV, stream TV doesn't travel over the Internet? No. Well, see, this, this is where it gets tricky because Comcast is such a large network. They do pass Internet traffic over their networks. They peer with other networks. Stream is TCP IP, which is the language of the internet. That's how packets get routed around. But what Comcast is claiming is it's only happening inside the network. It never leaves the edge of their network. And in this sense, they're saying, well, that means we're exempt. Since this doesn't involve the internet, the FCC shouldn't have any say in how we manage the traffic inside our network. And and to be fair, when the FCC passed the net neutrality regulations, one of the things that they made clear was they were really looking for transparency at the peering exchanges. They wanted to make sure that the large players were, were playing on a level playing field. And Comcast is essentially saying, we're not on anyone else's playing field. This is just us, mm-hmm. which, which is why it gets complicated. Uh, now, w- w- one of the, the wrinkles here is when they bought NBC, they agreed to a bunch of stipulations. And one of the stipulations was Section 3, Paragraph 1. And I'm going to quote this. They said, Comcast shall not discriminate in video programming distribution on the basis of affiliation or non-affiliation of a video. People are looking at this and saying, well, that's obviously what they're doing. If they're going to say that a Netflix video will count against their cap, but a Comcast video won't, then they violated the agreement that they signed when they bought NBC. Okay, so you agree then with Comcast? No, no, I, I, 
this, I think this is actually where the FCC was smart. Because they said they were going to take it on a case-by-case basis, Comcast can say that technically it's a loophole, but the FCC will say there was no loophole for you to go through. Mm-hmm. We, we will judge on a case-by-case basis. They actually already did look at one. They looked at T-Mobile. T-Mobile looked like they were doing the same thing. They offered a zero rating for Netflix and uh, some other content. If, in other words, John yeah, ex- yeah, so if I play Netflix on my phone, I don't get charged on my cap, against my cap. But what the FCC saw with T-Mobile was T-Mobile didn't own that content. Mm. This is the, the danger of Comcast being such a big company. It's like you are such a big vertical, you are also big, a big target. And if you're going to prioritize the content that you own over the content that you license, then you're in violation of the spirit of the rule. I, was that a big enough rant? I'm sorry, I get very ranty on net neutrality. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know how much net, uh, net neutrality you cover, Natalie, because I know it was done to death. But every time it comes up, it just kind of raises a little rant flag for me. I can see that. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to you have to do what you say you're going to do, right? So I understand. Yeah, and, and yeah. That, actually you could reduce it to that, which is, hey, Comcast, did you sign this? Okay, then you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. You told us yeah. you weren't going to do it, so you can't do it. Like, don't pretend this is, you didn't know, you know, like, you knew. You, no. You're getting your hand slapped. So, okay, pull back. Say, okay, we won't do that. I, okay. I imagine someone at Comcast saying, oh, but that was like years ago. Are we still doing that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, after the break, Padre will talk about some insane things you can build with the new Raspberry Pi 3. But first, let's take a minute to thank the sponsor of this episode. Everybody hates ticket scalpers. The tickets are expensive. And sometimes even after you empty your wallet, the tickets aren't even real. It's crushing. But you still don't have to spend your savings next time you want to see Beyonce in concert. How? Just go to scorebig.com. 40% of all live ticket events go unsold. Scorebig is making it easy to attend live events by working directly with your favorite teams and artists to get their unsold seats at unpublished prices. At scorebig.com, you're always guaranteed huge savings by paying much less than what the box office charges for tickets. They have incredible deals on tickets to concerts, sports, Broadway productions, and family-friendly events. To take advantage of these amazing deals, visit scorebig.com and find the event and seats you want. Then make an offer with Scorebig's Name a Ticket Price feature. You'll receive an answer from Scorebig instantly, and you'll save up to 60% on your tickets. You'll also have the option to pay a fixed price, which is much less expensive than major online ticket resellers. With Scorebig, there are no surprise fees, and you get free shipping. You can even favorite shows and events to be notified on upcoming dates to attend which is incredibly convenient. So quit overpaying for tickets. Get the tickets you want at prices you can afford with Score Big. Next time you're planning to attend a game or a show, visit Score Big first and see how much you can save. Go to scorebig.com, click on the microphone, and enter promo code TNT to save an extra $20 off your first ticket purchase. That's scorebig.com, promo code TNT. So the third iteration of the Raspberry Pi was released earlier this week on Leap Day. What, I know you told us a little bit about it already, but what do you think so far and what are you going to do with it? What um, have you already done with it? I, I, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been playing with this and I, I already like the Raspberry Pi. I've been always been a fan of the Raspberry Pi just because of what it represents. It represents an invitation. It's a challenge to people to take it and make something. Uh, and, and the three lets you make a lot more. So not only is it faster, uh, not only does it, uh, it, it have the ability to run all the code that you've written for any one, any one of the Pies before, but it also includes wireless. So it has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and Bluetooth LE, 
which means I can make devices like like this. So this is a little travel computer. This, there's actually a case that, uh, that I, I have this in. Uh, this is designed to go into a car underneath the seat. Uh, and with it being completely wireless, it now means I have the ability to have oh, uh, like a streaming network device, but it, the whole thing cost me $40. Uh, or this, this. This is something that we actually built for know-how. Uh, this is one of the uh, Raspberry Pi's official screens. So this is actually a, this is a seven-inch touchscreen. Um, so this is a tablet. We've we've made a Raspberry Pi tablet, and believe it or not, this thing's pretty quick. Uh, and, and this is a two. This is not even a three. So if I put a three in here, it's going to be two and a half times faster. Uh, what I've been designing with this is I 3D printed myself some stands because a lot of their their components follow some standard templates that I can use when I'm doing my 3D printing design, and I've created a flip down case for the uh, the kitchen so this will actually be up in the countertop until you need it you push it and it just sort of slides down oh. uh, and, and these are the these are the applications that raspberry pi is inviting people to develop uh in fact here so megan here's this is the actual three so we got this before it was launched it it feels like nothing yeah but that that is actually more power than an powerful than an amazon fire tablet and it includes encryption. And it can include encryption, which, <laughs> which is fantastic. Your choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Natalie, do, do you get a chance to play with any of these, the sort of the makery, geeky, DIY toys? Um, yeah, I, I saw a lot of them at the Toy Fair, which I went to about two weeks ago. So I really love the idea of it. And just looking at your stand there, that just must feel so good. I haven't made anything myself, but I love the concept of it. I think it's really made to empower people, whereas so much technology... You know, it was just like brainless and mindless, and yeah, it's it's very um, punk. Yeah, there's there's something about being able to say I made that, um, right? And uh, you know, be able to point it, even if it's the silliest thing. Like this, originally, what we wanted was we made a portable gaming machine. So this runs an arcade emulator, uh, and that little battery will keep it running for you know about twelve hours. Uh, so I thought about using this in in cars on and uh, uh, the what do they call those the video headrest that you have on cars. This would be a great way to put an arcade machine in the back of your car. And again, that yeah. whole thing cost me about $40. Uh, and right. and the, the fact that you can make that with just some instructions off the Internet, that's, that's cool to me. That's mm-hmm. the, the geeky side of tech. Well, so there are a lot of like Raspberry Pi clones, like similar, um, like the Beagle Bone. Is that similar? Um, yeah. The, is I this mean, the best? Well, that yeah, I like the Raspberry Pi because it is sort of a, com- a complete computer. But we've also been doing a lot of embedded development on know-how. Uh, this is one of the new boards that we're geeking out with. This one is called the Arduino 101, uh, and it's actually based on an Intel. It's called a, a Curie. It's a Curie chipset. Uh, and the whole idea behind this is it's like the Arduino. It will actually use the same shields as Arduino. So if you've built something for an Arduino in the past, it will work on this. But that chip is way more powerful than the Atmel chipset. It includes things like wireless, so it's got Bluetooth and Bluetooth LE. It also has a six-axis IMU, that's the, the device that lets you detect motion and, and acceleration. So with this, I actually created a power glove. Do you remember those old Nintendo power gloves mm. uh, that I'm going to be using so that it will imitate my hand on a robot arm? It's something I'm building. And, and again, totally stupid, has no useful purpose whatsoever. But the first time I got it, I got it working. Uh, you couldn't have removed the, the smile from my face with a jackhammer. Tell that to number five. A Johnny Five is still alive. Yeah. You know he is. Have you worked on any um, home automation or Internet of Things around your house, like things that someone has not yet automated that you want to 
it, shamefully, yes. The, the actually the best one that I don't done. tell me a toothbrush that the, no, your hand no. brushes <laughs> your teeth. That's all. Be they actually came out with this. No, I, I, no, I. If they have a toothbrush. I mean your robotic hand. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I actually came up with something practical. Uh, I live in a house of priests, and the laundry room is all the way downstairs. So you have to go up and down four flights of steps, and most of the time you get down there, and someone's already got a load in in the machine. So I internet connected the machines so you can log into a web page and it will tell you whether or not they they're in use and when was the last time they finished so you would know if they're empty um it, it took me all the 30 minutes to to, to create that that's it, so awesome <laughs> so that's that's what this tech lets you do yeah. yeah does it show you who used it last so that you can yell at the person that didn't clean the lint filter <laughs> i i actually had that feature built in and my superior told me to take it out because oh. people didn't like oh. the camera <laughs> Oh, the camera. Yeah. yeah like, they're, like, they're creeped out by that. I'm right. like, I would Because there are some people who think that the next user should empty the lamp filter, no. but that is incorrect, people. No, it, it's you. You have the impression that you can leave it for the next person. You're wrong. And you need to change your evil sure. ways. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you were that person who left the napkin in your pocket and it's now lint all over the dryer, <laughs> it's your word. job to clean it up. Don't wait for the next person to run another cycle. And get it on their jeans. Laundry yeah, today. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We've covered all the important really, topics. Right? Hashtag first world problems. <laughs> uh, Caillou in our chat room wants to know what 3D printer you use to print all of these. Uh, right now I'm using a, it's called a, a Dremel Idea Builder. Uh, but I, I've got six or seven different 3D printers I cycle through. That's the one I've landed on because it, it has never jammed. Mm-hmm. All the other ones have broken at some point and the Dremel keeps going. Awesome. All right. Well, now it's time to read an email. We got one from Dave. Uh, Dave writes, please don't play so many videos on TNT. I assume you have far more video downloads than audio listeners, but for the audio listeners, it is frustrating. Yesterday, you played a video of Andy Rubin's dog and proceeded to talk about it for a few minutes. What is so special about this dog? Is it a robot dog or were they just treating it like a robot? Was it wearing a robot costume? I'm sorry, Dave. I wanted to say I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> That's why I picked we that can't email. Do that, Dave. Uh, it is true. We tried to do our best. You, you probably didn't see this Raspberry Three either. Uh, it was a real dog and a robot dog, and that was why it was so exciting. And if you want to see it, Google Andy Rubin's dog versus a robot dog, and uh, you will find this amazing video. And I highly recommend it. But we will keep in that mind that in mind. So thank you. I see it as a feature. When you don't see pictures, your mind can add the pictures. And so you could have mm-hmm. m- imagined any robot dog you can you can dream of. Right. But, yeah, apparently a dog in a robot costume, which is also awesome. <laughs> After the break, we'll check in with Jason Howell from the Launch Festival, who's been living the startup life today. But first, let's take a minute to thank the sponsor of this episode, PillPack. Does your town still have an old-timey pharmacy with that old couple who ask after your grandparents and remembers the name of your Little League baseball team? There's a soda fountain in the corner and corked bottles of cod liver oil lining the dusty shelves. And you know what else is lining those dusty shelves? Germs. Millions of germs. No matter how quaint your pharmacy is, you will want to try PillPack, the future of pharmacy. It was founded by a second-generation pharmacist, one that might have even grown up in that old-timey pharmacy. But PillPack defines what we love to talk about on this show all the time, technology that's designed to fix problems that you have and deliver a better experience for all of us. Your pill pack arrives in a convenient recyclable dispenser. It has one easy to read label that includes an image of each medication and directions. Pill pack pre-sorts and delivers your medications and vitamins in easy to tear packets. They're individually labeled with the date and time for each dose. 
PillPack also uses robots and digital imaging technology along with pharmacist oversight to ensure the accuracy of every PillPack. People are still an important part of the equation. PillPack's pharmacists are available 24-7 from the privacy of your own home. No more long lines or awkward conversations at the pharmacy. They also proactively call your doctor for you to manage all your refills so you will never run out. No extra costs beyond your standard copays. Shipping is always free. It's compatible with most major insurance plans, including most forms of Medicare Part D. So when you sign up for PillPack, they make sure that your insurance is compatible before they transfer any of your medications over. There's also a PillPack medication reminder app for the iPhone and the Apple Watch. PillPack is simple, convenient, and modern, and you won't believe how cool it is until you try it. Visit PillPack.com slash twit to sign up now. When you use our link and transfer your prescriptions to PillPack, you'll get a credit for $20 worth of vitamins and OTCs. That's PillPack.com slash T-W-I-T. So my regular co-host, Jason Howell, is at the Launch Festival today, and uh, he called in. So let's take a look at what he saw. Hey, thanks, Megan. Hey, take a look behind me. I'm, okay, what you see right there is the Hyperloop. We've talked a little bit about the Hyperloop on Tech News Today before. I'm at uh, launch here in SF. We've kind of been here. We've got an awesome crew walking around the event all day long today to kind of take a look at just just startup life, essentially. There are a ton of startups here from all walks of the industry. We've got robotics, AR, VR, smart home, Obviously, well, I don't know if you consider Hyperloop a startup, but still very cool stuff. In fact, one of the highlights of my day was talking with Shervin uh, Pishavar. He's the founder of Hyperloop Technologies Incorporated. We kind of talked a little bit about the realities of rolling out the Hyperloop uh, to you know, make transportation just faster and easier. Talking about 750 miles per hour traveling through the tube to go from San Francisco to L.A. in like, like a half an hour. It's pretty crazy stuff. He had a lot of really interesting stuff to share. Um, Obviously, they're targeting a 2020 date for having an active Hyperloop. I asked him if he thought that was realistic. And of course, he said, I wouldn't say if if I didn't think that it was. So I'll be very interested to see if that kind of, you know, that produced at scale. And that's just one segment of what they're doing. Um, you know, connected from one point to another actually comes to fruition in four years. It's a tall order, but, yeah, you know, he seems very confident in that. Uh, some of the other stuff, robotics, really cool thing we saw, something called Cafe X. And it's essentially, I don't know if it's going to put baristas out of business, but it's a uh, automated robotic uh, barista, essentially. So you go up to it. It senses that you're nearby. If you've placed an order, let's say, uh, you know, away from, from the machine, it senses that you're nearby. It makes your order for you. It d- distributes it and puts out your coffee. They're working with all local, you know, uh, coffee makers and all that kind of stuff to really kind of make sure that the quality of the coffee is top notch. And it tastes pretty good, but it was really cool to see that robotic arm doing all the work for you and uh you're kind of saving some money uh, as well so but it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on uh, a lot of stuff with the smart home here took, took a look at actually quite a few things but probably the highlights for me uh, a technology company called naki and it's essentially it's this little uh device that you can let's say for example mount underneath the table you could put set it on top of the table or you could mount it underneath the table so that nobody sees it and what it allows you to do is add in functionality so that when someone comes over to the table and does like a bap, bap, 
you know, like a knock on the table that could do something like turn on the lights in the house or, you know, who knows? You can get just you can play around with that and, uh, you know, use your imagination and see what you want a knocking on a table to actually do. It's kind of like the clapper for your table, I guess. Uh, another thing that was really cool is the ember light, which is actually if you're thinking about like smart lights and Philips Hue, it's an integrated system, but it requires a certain type of light bulbs. The ember light system is actually just kind of the, the, the mounting aspect of that. All of the technology is built into the ember light, and then the light bulb is screwed into that. So you can turn any light that you have in your house into a smart light and then connect it in all the ways that you can, you know, all of the other smart home lights uh, as well. You don't need a hub. It just kind of connects into systems that you already have. Uh, very neat kind of low-cost way to bring, you know, your lights into the smart home world. Uh, I was really excited about some of this VR stuff because, as you know, Megan... I've been pretty thrilled with with kind of the movement of VR right now. I'm getting even more excited. Uh, a couple of things I saw here. One thing is called bounce imaging, and it's this little kind of uh, kind of circular like black ball with a bunch of cameras that are all around it. And essentially, what it's for is for they're they're designing it first of all for like first responders, let's say, so they get to you know a place that they can't get into. You throw why it's called bounce. It's because you can throw it into an area that you can't quite get into or you don't want to get into, and it will live stream using all those cameras in full immersive 360 degree video uh, where you know what's happening on the inside. So you can actually monitor everything that's happening in there without having to go in. Really neat. And super durable, obviously, because you're going to be throwing this thing around. But I could totally see the consumer market uh, getting in on it as well. Um, and then this was probably one of my favorite things uh, of, of the entire event. Immersive entertainment. And now basically, this they had an HTC Vive on hand that I was thankfully able to finally check out. And it was really cool. So what they're doing is they're creating immersive environments. In this demo, it was the Grand Canyon. And you're on, you know, a canoe. And basically, your controller is the paddle. And I'm going along. And it's super-duper cool and very immersive, looking all around. And then suddenly in front of me is a flashlight that appears. Reach out with my physical hand. What do you know? There's another controller that's now my flashlight. It was I hate to say it, it was the trippiest thing that I've seen in a really long time, that kind of, that, that Im immersive quality of not real meeting the real tangible world. It was really hard to explain, but I got to say I'm even more excited about VR and specifically the HTC Vive after that demo. And finally, you may have noticed I've got another thumb ring. That's right. This is, the, this is the smart ring. People make fun of me because of my one thumb ring. Now I've got two, so eat it. Um, anyways, NFC ring, uh, they, they were on hand to kind of show off what you can do if you have NFC uh, built into your ring. We talked about it on All About Android, and I'm sure it was on TNT a few years ago when they first did their Kickstarter and all that kind of stuff. Cool to see it in action. Uh, but that's really about it. Just a, a lot of fun roaming around the demo pit and everything obviously everybody that's here they're super pumped up to be here because this is you know this is their startup they're really just kind of here working to generate you know excitement around the thing that they're really passionate about and you really feel it in the air so this is launch sf 2016 and i don't know i'm really looking forward to seeing what of these companies that we've seen today uh become the next big thing down the line uh, I hope things are going well for you, Megan. I know that they are. You're holding a tight, sh tight ship, I'm sure. I'm going to go ahead and throw it back to you. Bye, guys.
Wow, it looks like he's having fun. Remember that story that we just covered about uh, mocking and enjoying <laughs> VR? That story was completely on fleek. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't look. Uh, yeah, I mean, we like cool. Jason and I have discussed this, but yeah, I mean, it's you're so excited, and you got you know, it's different if you know the person and you know how excited they are. Like he was pretty excited, uh, so yeah, I'm excited to hear more about what he thought of the Hyperloop too. That's been fascinating to me. Uh, Natalie, are you excited about getting shot through the Earth in a in a big tube in order to get someplace fast? I'm pregnant. <laughs> not really <laughs> good point i don't think i've said congratulations so congratulations <laughs> okay i'll let you Thank know you. how the hyperloop is but yeah, I, i'm I guessing it's not gonna be uh brought to fruition before your baby is though probably so. not your child You're will be able to take it anywhere i'd <laughs> be game otherwise yeah I don't, have, I don't have fear heights or anything like that <laughs> All right. Well, TNT's fan of the day is Michael Shada on Google+. Plus. Michael writes, this is how I watch TNT on my cheap Fire tablet with Bluetooth headphones and maybe with or without encryption, depending on how his device has been updated. Uh, you can show us how you watch or listen to TNT. Just record a video or take a picture of yourself or your setup and post it on Instagram, Google+, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you post your social medias. Also use the hashtag how I watch TNT and we will find it. After the break, an app that lets you blindly post a random photo from your phone camera to Facebook because life is not exciting enough. But first, let's take a minute to thank the sponsor of this episode, NatureBox. If you are trying to eat better, but you think nutrition labels are confusing, NatureBox is for you. They have a snack for everyone. They've taken out the guesswork and the frustration so you can snack confidently and stop wasting time sifting through all those nutrition labels. NatureBox has over 100 incredibly delicious snacks that are sourced from all over the world. They have vegan, they have snacks with no sugar, they have snacks with non-GMO, and you can choose between savory, sweet, salty, and tart flavors. Some of my own personal favorites are lemon almond biscotti bites and honey Dijon pretzels. There's almost nothing better than the honey Dijon pretzels. It is super easy to fill out your snack profile and get personalized recommendations based on your preferences. Plus, they're constantly adding new and interesting snacks for you to discover. NatureBox believes you should not eat something that you don't like. So, if you try a snack and it's not for you, they will replace it in your next box for free. You can't do that with most other snacks. So, go to naturebox.com slash T-W-I-T right now. You get 50% off your first box of delicious and unique snacks without any of the junk. That's naturebox.com slash twit for 50% off your first box of the best tasting snacks in the world. And we thank NatureBox for their support of tech news today. And finally, a new and rather ridiculous app that lets you play Russian roulette with your relationships. It's called Rando. And it delivers messages to friends in text messages, Twitter, Facebook. And you can include a random gif or a random quote or even random photos taken directly from your camera roll which is probably an excellent way to get yourself fired or divorced depending on what's on your camera roll what do you guys think of this app was this developed on a dare (laughs) that's the only thing i can think of that would make this make sense uh i think it's uh you can look you don't they don't have to be random you saw the blurry picture you can tap the blurry picture and see what it is. So sometimes it might be fun to send a random picture from your um, photo album if you can see it before and you're sending it to the appropriate person. 
uh, or a random quote. But yeah, I think this is just one of those silly apps. That- I, I see. I see a future for Rando Pro. Where you just install it and it just randomly sends messages without ever giving you a screen. I think that's that's the next the next evolution of this app. That's just so strange. I don't know why would you do that. That sounds that sounds like a because bad idea. I think it's kind of an affectation. Because do you have a friend who you're like, wow, that person's so random, but you think they're random in a good way, funny? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have friends like that where I'm like, oh, I wish I could be that random but funny, and I get what they're saying, and the app will do it for you. But I think that's kind of cheating. It's kind of <laughs> defeating the randomness, I think. Yeah. So I, w- I want to be but really random, so I'm going to download an app millions of others random. have. Like, if I had someone to flirt with, then maybe it would make me seem like I was just so damn random that, you know, you think, <laughs> wow, she really has a sense of humor. <laughs> it's like yes. a sense of humor that doesn't belong to me. So, Natalie, I, I, think, I really like you. I, I'd like to go out to, to lunch you with you. Here's it. a picture of of a of a fish I took four years ago for some reason because I like the colors right. on it. Here you go. That's so right. Right. Well, let's strawberries and I don't know whatever like whatever <laughs> random thing you put up that would be funny because it's out of context, but it's not yours. Like if you're gonna be random, you got to do it. Random's funny. I get it. Random's mm-hmm. super funny. I'm pretty sufficiently random as it is just because I do have damaged neurons in my brain. So I don't think I need an app for that. (laughs) Well, I don't know if uh, you use Slack at all, but uh, Slack does this and you just, you know, you put in a, you do slash Giphy and or Jiffy, depending on how you pronounce it. And then, you know, you can use a word. You can say like, what are you talking about or tomorrow or yay. But sometimes it posts something very random. And with your coworkers, it can be a little bit awkward sometimes and fun. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, mean, I can see how it's fun again. But I, like I said, the, these people that I'm thinking of, I have like really funny, brilliant people that I follow that I just know from around. And I, I know they do it themselves. <laughs> I'm kind of like, you can't just be that person. You got to work for it. Yeah, I, I get it. There used to be an app called Rando that was taken out of the app store. It, it w- wasn't just random pictures or quotes. It would send them to random people like that you didn't even have in your contact list. Just like, I would yeah. prefer that. That sounds even, okay, there, that's truly random. Let's right. do that. <laughs> like in fact, real- here's a challenge. Hey, TNT audience. Everyone listening right now, please download this app and just send a random picture to me. Yes. Audrey at twit.tv. Mm-hmm. You should, or post it on Twitter yeah. with the hashtag how I'm random. How, how I'm random on TNT. <laughs> yes. There we go. Or how I'm artificially random. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how I'd like to be random. Yes, I totally get Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. I know it is late there. And congratulations on your upcoming third child. And uh, oh, thanks. I know you have some great financial advice. Uh, I follow you on Twitter and I love knowing about the things you can write off and the things you can't write off. It's fascinating, especially during tax season. Uh, is there oh, anything thanks. else you want people to know about? No, that's it. That's my main focus these days. So yeah, follow me on nataliemorris.com or all the social networks that you'd like to. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you soon. No problem. Take care. And thank you, Padre, for joining us too, well, for, helping for helping me, me. and uh, filling in the blanks in my encryption knowledge and my Comcast net neutrality knowledge. Well, sometimes I just, sorry, I hear the word net neutrality and... <laughs> I understand that. Oh, but the thanks for, to you for loaning me your co-host because 
Uh, normally, I it's my responsibility to do live events, and the mm-hmm. fact that he took lunch was such. I mean, I'm still recovering from Barcelona, so I very much say thank you. Is there any video from you from Barcelona wearing a um, VR headset that we can use? Uh, there is, and but it's on my phone, so unless I get rando, it's <laughs> yeah, probably not going randomly anywhere. send it to me. I, I, I did. I get ill after about ten minutes. Is there a video of that? Uh, no. <laughs> Because I dropped the phone. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, and tell where you're going to be right up next on, on Know How. What are you guys doing on Know How tonight? Right up next. This is actually a special episode that we're pre-recording because I have to cover another event next week. The uh, This is for the uh, the three the March 14th episode, 314, which is 3.14 oh, pie. pie. So we're doing a special episode on nothing but Raspberry Pis. If you've ever wanted to build a Raspberry Pi security camera, if you've ever wanted to build a Raspberry Pi tablet... Or if you've ever wanted to figure out how long you could make a Raspberry Pi lo- run on a particular battery, you're going to want to tune in at uh, on 314 or right after this, live.twit.tv. And will there be pie to eat? Uh, there will be pie. Excellent. <laughs> Tomorrow's guest is Ken Denmead from Geek Dad, and we are excited. And Jason will be back for that, too. Tech News Today records live every Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, 12 a.m. UTC. You can see it all at twit.tv slash live. And you can be part of the show by emailing us at tnt at twit.tv. Remember, random stuff is always welcome. You can also leave us a short voicemail at 260-TNT-SHOW. And you can find us on Twitter. We're at Tech News Today TV. Subscribe to our show. That is the best way to get it as quickly as possible. You can do that at twit.tv slash TNT. You can find our newsletter there at twit.tv slash newsletter. And if you want to tweet at me, I am at Megan Maroney. And thank you to Anthony and all the folks who help us produce this show every single day. And thanks to you for hanging out until the very end. We will see you tomorrow. Can we do a head, uh, high five? We do a high five. Are you ready? Look at my elbow. That's a lot of pressure. Look at my elbow. <laughs>